0: we bow together. Father, we pray for your leadership, for the presence of your Holy Spirit, and the guidance of our Savior and Lord as we worship together today. And as we read your scripture in just a moment, Father, we pray you'll open our eyes, give us an attentive mind and heart, that we might absorb the great truth of your word and serve you faithfully from it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Bill Starnes is going to read our scripture for us.
1: Thank you, Brother. I'll be reading from Proverbs thirty-one, beginning in verse ten. An excellent wife. Who can find? For her worth is far above jewels. Her heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. She is like a merchant ship, She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. She considers a field and buys it, and from her earnings she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hands grasp the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor, and she stretches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, For all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes her coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. She opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of her kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household, and she does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and bless her her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands, and let her works praise her, in the gates Thank
0: you, Thank you Bill <clears throat> out of that reading, I want to take a text from verse twenty eight. That in the, I think the old King James says, her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. And I want to begin today by just giving you a little testimony. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and, and I don't say that criticizing my parents because they just didn't know. And they raised us to the best of their abilities. They taught us right from wrong they uh, disciplined us when we did something wrong and taught us that we are are to to love people that we're to behave ourselves wherever we are and that that we need to just just be be good citizens good people i was the first person in the family to accept christ as my savior i'm the oldest of four children they had three boys straight then uh, they had a little girl our baby sister she went through most of her early all of her earlier years with a tag baby sis and some of the the kin folks never gave up on that she she could not be called Elizabeth because she was baby sis but I don't know after I guess when they had three boys and then had a girl. Maybe they decided they had as many different kinds as anybody, and so they quit. Or maybe maybe they found out what causes babies. I'm just, I'm just not sure. But along the way, I'm, I met Christ. I shared with the Sunday school class a little bit this morning. I live next door to the church. But I didn't go, and my family didn't go. But one August, when I was 13 or 14 years old, our church was having what they called a a youth revival in August. And I was riding my bike, and the church had a circular driveway around it. And I was riding around that, and I saw a group of people gathered, at the church and they were fixing to go do some visiting one of the guys uh, stopped me and talked to me about christ the holy spirit came into my heart and i accepted christ that day as my savior Amen. joe and i had known each other most of our lives we went to the same she went to church on a regular basis but had never accepted christ but somehow in that same revival a family went to see her and her sister, and led both of them to Christ. And so, the same week, two people who were just casual friends at church, who later was to minister together for a long term, had uh, we all accepted Christ together, and we were both baptized. Well, <clears throat> I would like to take this scripture that Bill read, and translate it a little further. the new testament and kind of apply the principles that uh, we read in hebrews chapter 31 and talk to you about a godly wife a godly mother as i told you i didn't grow up in a christian home but i had a mother and a daddy that loved me and they would say we love all of our younguns." And they did, and they provided for us the best they possibly could. But in the New Testament, as we think about the principles taught in um, Proverbs 31, there are several characteristics of a godly woman that I'd like to share with you in these next few minutes. First of all, a godly woman has a Savior. You see, you can't be godly without without a Savior, because... The word godly simply implies to be godlike, and it's only when Jesus comes into your heart that you're godlike. Now, lost people can be good people. There are many, many people who don't know Christ as their Savior, but they're honest. They're hardworking. They're just good, moral people. They don't do things that the world does, but still, they're not godly because they're because though there many of their works are kind of God like, it's only when Jesus comes into your heart, fills you with the Holy Spirit, that you can really become godly. So the, the godly woman has a, has a Savior. She knows that Jesus Christ is her Lord and Savior. And she knows that her kids have to know Christ before they can be saved, and go to heaven. She, in her own heart, her own mind, her own life, has made it a point to know Jesus, to study about Jesus, to feel him and the Holy Spirit in her heart. And she has a burning desire to make sure that every child she has knows Jesus also, so that one day they can spend all of eternity in heaven. When I was young, there was a very popular song that about the family that raised the question, will the circle be unbroken? You remember that one? Some of you Geritol folks will remember that. But a godly mother wants to make sure that her family circle will never be broken. So she reminds her kids that we're all sinners. And without, without Christ, sinners end up dying and going to hell. And so she impresses that in the hearts in the minds of her children. Secondly, a godly mother has a church. I think it was Mrs. Clinton who in the in the administration of her husband was pushing some moral issues and health insurance and this kind of thing. And she says it takes a village to raise children. Well, in her interpretation, that would be a secular village to raise children. I want to share with you today that I believe it takes a village to raise children. That village happens to be the church, Amen. the church of the living God. Amen. And every family in Christ needs to have a church, needs to have a pastor, needs to have godly deacons and godly teachers to teach us the word of God and to teach, help us impressed in the life of our children. But this has to not just be a secular situation. It has to be a group of people who are bound together by the Holy Spirit, who are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and live according to the standards of the cross of Jesus Christ, a village that is bound together, united, all pulling in the same direction. Because if we're pulling in every different direction, we're not the kind of village that that children and families need to grow up and to develop. So this mother has a church, and it very much like our church, and we need to band together to make sure that our children are taught the word of God at church and that, you know, when I was growing up, public schools were a whole lot different. I was taught scripture in a public school, and then I— In the nineteen forties, in the early nineteen fifties, because we read the scripture, we had a lesson from the scripture, and we prayed through the Holy Spirit. And I grew up knowing a little bit about the scripture. But our churches are the second secondary place that we should learn the Word of God. Mom and Dad should teach it in the home. And I'm looking at a group of people, many of you I've known for over fifty years. And I know that there's some very godly people, and I just challenge all of us to be the kind of village that will will really enhance all the efforts of the family in drawing the children to Christ. The third thing a godly mother has is the Holy Bible. In my home, as I grew up, there was a Bible. My mother's mother gave it to her when she married and urged her to to read it teach it to the children but not being a christian mother didn't know much about how to teach it but on occasion either she or dad would get that bible and read us uh, to all gather us all around and would read to us mostly out of the proverbs and the psalms but nonetheless i grew up realizing that that's the word of god but once I became a Christian, began to serve God. I taught a Sunday school class of a little group of boys. We call it the junior boys, grades four, five, and six. And I learned uh, more about the Bible as I studied to teach those boys. So the Holy Bible is the authoritative, inerrant word of God, and that's straight Southern Baptist theology. I believe that every word of it is authoritative. Every word of it is true. And this godly mother wants to use every method possible to instill in the hearts and the minds of her children the word of God. So it becomes the word of God becomes important, and the children grow up realizing it. Thirdly, fourthly, uh, a godly mother has a prayer life. I think it was Herschel Ford, the longtime pastor of First Baptist El Paso, Texas, who told a wonderful story about his mother and her prayer life. Dr. Ford went to be with the Lord probably 30, 35 years ago. But he said when he was a little boy, he and his brother would misbehave, and their, their mother would weep and, and try to teach them what's right and what's wrong. And after breakfast, and she did the cleaning up that she needed to do in the kitchen, in the house. She was kind of like my mother-in-law. Uh, she, we took her on a trip with us one time, stayed in a hotel. And we were getting up the next morning, wanting to go do something. We, we all, the family always called her mom. And mom started making up the bed. And I said, mom, you don't have to do that. This is a hotel. They've got people to do it. And she turned to me and said, I want to tell you one thing. I've never left the house without making up my bed, and I don't plan to do it today. So she made up the bed. But Herschel Ford said that after Mom had got all that done, she said to the boys, I want you all to be good for a few minutes while Mama goes and has her prayer time. She'd go out the back door over behind the garden to an apple tree where she kept a little stool where she could sit on it and look out through the field, the pasture, and and just talk to the Lord. And he said one day they were curious about what Mama did. So they eased out there. Her back was to them. And they got to the garden fence where they could hear her. And he heard his mother crying and weeping. And said, "Lord, I want you to come in the heart of my children and save them because they've got that they've got that carnal nature, and they're practicing uh, th- those things, and they're they're doing some mean things, and they're doing some bad things, and they're learning sin. And Lord, I just ask you to come into their hearts, clean them up, and straighten them out, and make them what they ought to be." And he said, "He and his brother eased back in the house." But, it, but th- that prayer never left his mind, never left his heart until he one day came to know Jesus Christ and repented of his sins and gave his heart to Jesus and he said, that was the thing that changed my life. And he was a great pastor who helped a lot of young preachers, including myself, learn how to prepare sermons, how to preach the gospel, how to tell people how to be saved, how to pray for people when they're sick and when they're in trouble. And so he said that prayer changed his life and turned him around. So mom, Mama had a Savior. She had a church. She has a Bible. She has a prayer life. But I want to kind of wind this up with a couple of, I think, very solemn thoughts. Somebody asked a great theologian, what is the most fundamental in all of your Bible study? What is the most fundamental truth that you've ever learned? And the man thought for a few minutes. He said, the most fundamental truth I've ever learned, I learned in vacation Bible school. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Mom, if you and Dad will instill Jesus Christ in the hearts and the minds of your children. the Bible teaches us that at times they may go astray, but in the end they'll have that gnawing feeling in their heart called a spiritual conscience and they will come back ultimately come back to that. But mom, you have the most awesome privilege and duty the world has to offer. the greatest, teaching any child can have is from a mom who has the greatest influence over their children we like my parents had four children three boys and a girl i don't know why god gave us exactly that same pattern but he did and (coughs) excuse me and it's wonderful to know that all of, all of my family eventually came to know Jesus. And we have, we have those in that same family and all of, starting with Joe and I in 1953, our family, counting marriages, grandchildren and great-grandchildren, this family has grown to four generations, about 32 or 33 people now. But everyone in our family knows jesus christ and goes to church everybody goes to church there's one teenage boy who has not accepted christ publicly uh he may he goes to church all the time and he may have accepted christ but he has not done it publicly we're still praying and counseling that one of these days he's going to do that but it's it's hard to realize that a mother has a difficult duty but it's a wonderful blessed duty and privilege to teach her children and when our kids were growing up if they wanted a little extra money they would come to daddy if they wanted somebody to get out in the yard and rough house with them and play and I I used to wrestle with my boys they've never outdone me but folks I knew when to stop because those big old boys, uh, they could put me down any any time later in life. But so if they wanted to do something like that, they called daddy. But let one of them get hurt, who they call? They wanted mama to kiss it and make it go away. And so mama has a tender place in the heart of every person. And so that's a tremendous task but let me kind of give you one last thought. Mama has a hope. If we grind into the lives, into the minds, into the hearts of our children, we always have hope. And hope is built on our faith that one of these days we'll all go to heaven. The circle will not be broken and we will serve God together for all of eternity because of the cross of Jesus Christ. All of our faith, not based on something that we heard, secular, but something we read in the Bible that tells us, Jesus loves me, and this I know. That makes the greatest change in our life of anything else. I also shared with the Sunday School this morning a story I heard recently. Uh, Coach Nick Saban and his wife grew up together very much like joe and i did except he was a star football player and she was a cheerleader but during the early years of high school she had a, another boyfriend but that relationship didn't last and so she and nick met and fell in love and later were married nick tells this that some time ago they were back in their hometown and they passed a gas station and they knew that her early boyfriend ran that gas station. Nick said he was going to be kind of cute, so he said, you know, if you'd married him instead of me, you'd be running a gas station with him. She said, no, if I'd married him, he'd be the head coach at Alabama. You'd be running the gas station. Well, that kind of illustrates a point that some events in our life make eternal changes in our life. And that's what we want to instill in the hearts and the minds of our children, that Jesus Christ is the Savior and the Lord. He's the only way we can be saved. But let me tell you what Jesus said, John chapter 14. Our Lord said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in me, believe also uh, that I I go away and prepare a special place for you in my father's house are many mansions, and I go there to prepare it for you. I'll come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas, the doubtful one of the disciples, said, "Lord, we don't, we don't know where you go. How can we know the way? Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth." and the life no man come to the father but by me now one of the psalmists, psalm 119 verse 11 after all those years that the word of god had been drilled into his mind into his heart into his life and the jewish boys had to memorize the first five books of the bible be able to recite that publicly so after all that One day he wrote, verse 11, Psalm 119, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. So let's hide the word of God in the hearts and the minds of our children, so that they will always have it. It will always speak to them in any situation they get in, and God will bless them. Now let's bow together. Father, we love you. We praise you and thank you for this word, the word you've given us, that Jesus Christ is our Savior and our Lord. He's the only way, the only way to go to heaven. There is no other. Father, the world tries to say that all roads lead to heaven, but your word says only Jesus leads to heaven because he's the way. Today, as we end this service I'm just asking for the Holy Spirit to be in every heart. And if there's any one, Father, who needs to come and rededicate their life, come and pray at the altar. Come and receive Christ as Savior through faith. We ask that this will happen, the miracle of the work of the Holy Spirit in these moments. Father, bless us and guide us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's uh, stand together in a moment. This mark will tell us what we're going to sing.